All right, what's up, AFC? How is everybody doing? That sucked about as much as I expected it to, so I'm going to ask again, how is everybody doing? Okay, so um, there, there are nights where I'm afraid to ask that question, where I'm afraid to ask how everybody's doing, because you might be completely honest with me. You might, uh, you might say, you know what, like it's that point of the semester where I have three tests tomorrow, I have a bill due Friday, um, my roommate's getting on my nerves and life is just hard, and then it happens, and it happens, and I'm, so I'm, I'm scared to ask at times, but I kind of ask you so I can tell you how I'm doing and I am excited. I'm excited to be here, I'm excited to preach, I'm excited to be at AFC, how much I love this place. Now, I'm not excited because things are just like overwhelmingly great in my life. I don't have the dream car parked outside, I'm not going home to the dream mansion, I don't have um, hundreds of thousands of dollars in my bank account, but I am excited, and let me tell you why. My name is Matt, and I work with the college students here at UCC, and I believe in this book. I believe in the Bible. I believe um, in the God who orchestrated and wrote this Bible. I believe in his son, Jesus. I believe that Jesus did what he said he did. I believe um, that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. And because of that, I am very excited. I'm excited to preach. I'm excited to tell you about stories within this book that have had great impact on my life. And so with that being said, tonight we're going to be talking about Joshua. Now, Joshua is a book um, that has had a has had a huge impact on my life just because it's one that um, I never really gave much time, but once I did, it, it seriously impacted me. See, Joshua is this story, um, this awesome story about how things start going really, really well for God's people when they start finally listening and obeying him. We've kind of been setting up this story for the past couple of weeks. We started off talking about the patriarchs of the Old Testament, how God made all these promises to them. Now, the reason why that's, uh, that's important for Joshua is because Joshua is the one that's going to fulfill it. Joshua um, has this great um, task of fulfilling and, and stepping into the shoes of Moses after Moses has left, and one of the greatest leaders of all time, and we talked about that last week, and how Joshua is going to be the one uh, that is going to inherit this promised land. He is leading God's people in the next stage of life um, for them. Now, I want to keep a couple of things in mind. Can we go to the next slide? When we're, when we're going through the Old Testament, there's two things that are very, very important that we always got to do, whether this is in a sermon or whether it's a study on your own. One is you got to find Christ. you got to find the cross. Even when we're talking about the Old Testament, Leviticus or Numbers or Joshua, we got to find Christ. we got to find the cross. And then secondly, we got to find application. We have to find application. So um, I'm not going to get deep into it right now, but these are the three applications that I want to find tonight within the story of Joshua. Uh, I want to find out, I want to find the truth that says God is the God of second chances. I want to find an application that says we as Christians should be some of the most confident, not arrogant, but some of the most confident individuals on the planet. And then third, um, we, need to, we will see in the book of Joshua tonight, um, we're going to remember what God's done and how God wants us to remember the things that he's done for his people. So fast forward tonight to where we're at in the book of Joshua. We're going to cover um, pretty much chapters 1 through 4 tonight. I'm not going to go through um, all of them, but that's, that's where we're at. And right now the, the Israelites, God's people, are at the, the, they're at the banks of the Jordan River. If we can go to the next slide. So what's been happening is Israel, um, God's, people came out of, God's people came out of captivity in Egypt, and they came up to the promised land. And they weren't faithful, right? And so now they've been wandering in this area over here on this side of the river in the wilderness for 40 years. And now we're back here right at the right-hand side of this river right here. This is the Jordan River. And we're right here on the brink of the promised land. And the idea is we're going to cross over into the promised land. The book of Joshua is broken up into uh, different sections um, where, you, where the 
God's people are going to cross the Jordan River. They're going to conquer the land. They're going to divide the land, and they're going to rest in God. So tonight we are talking about the crossing of the Jordan River, and that's where our story picks up. So if you want to follow along in your Bible, you can definitely do that. We're in Joshua chapter 3. If not, I have it, uh, I have it broken up here on the, on the screen. And we're going to skip around a little bit verse, between verses 7 and 13, but I'll make it all make sense. So if you want to follow along on the screen, I'm going to start there. Joshua 3, verse 7 says this, The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Verse 8, And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Skip ahead to verse 13. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord of all the earth, shall shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand still in one heap. And then we're going to skip lastly down to verse 17. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood, stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation had finished passing. So pretty much what ha- what's happening here is um, uh, God's pretty much laying out, this is how we're going to get across. This is how we're going to do it. The priests are going to lead the way, right? As, as soon as their feet touch the water, the water is going to pile up. This is another miraculous river crossing. Everybody's probably heard of the one of Moses. This is another one that Joshua gets to do. So I'm trying to picture in my head what this looks like, and, and Hollywood has tried to do this. And, you know, I kind of have a beef with people who, who bash the Hollywood movies, right? They're just like, oh, you know, it wasn't true to the text, or it wasn't scriptural. Like, yeah, I get that. It's hard. But the reason why it's hard is because they're trying to make movies based on a couple chapters, and they're trying to, they're kind of trying to get in the head of some of these characters. Now, some of them are just absolutely crazy, like a Noah, the rock people, or whatever that was. I, I don't know. But... Um, but, but right here, I'm going to try to do something similar. I'm going to try to put myself in the, feet, uh, in the place of what Joshua must have been thinking the night before they're crossing over into the promised land. This has to be like the night before the Super Bowl, but not, not like a team that really deserves to be there, right? I mean, God's people have been kind of, they've been wandering. They haven't been faithful. They weren't faithful to the plan. This is kind of like... Uh, this is like the underdogs being, being ready the night before the Super Bowl, the team that had a little bit of luck to get there. It's like, uh, it's like the Cowboys before the night before the Super Bowl. Like they really shouldn't be there, and if they're going to be there, it's, it's a miracle, you know? That must have been what Joshua has been feeling. He's been watching these people wander and stray and, uh, and, and not be faithful to God and cry out to him, and he saves them, and, and he's watched this whole thing. So to, to realize that tomorrow is the day we're crossing over the Jordan, Wow, that must, have been, that must have been big for Joshua. The people, didn't, the people didn't initially trust God. We saw that. We saw that the first time they didn't cross, um, cross, into, the, uh, cross into the promised land, but we serve the God of second chances. Now, I didn't deserve a second chance. I grew up in a Christian home with two Christian parents. I had both sets of Christian grandparents in my life that poured into me. I went to a good school. I had a nice home. Uh, when I used to get in trouble at home, I had to write out memory verses uh, from Scripture when I used to get in trouble. Like, I had every opportunity to be this. When I, when I got to school here, I had every opportunity to join a campus ministry, like, be an immediate small group leader, just this, like, Christian kid extraordinaire. I had every opportunity to do that, and I did not, and I wandered. But I serve the God of second chances, and now I get to be up here on a stage sharing with you um, out of the Word of God. Another example of wandering, if you, go to our, if you go to our church, 
uh, UCC, there's going to be some marriages or some family units that you really look up to. Now, the thing is, is you, you don't know the stories behind all of them, and neither do I, but I know a couple. There are some, uh, there's some husbands in our church that I really, really look up to. They're, they're super gentle with their wives. They're great listeners. They're really good fathers. And, and the thing about this particular couple of couples that I'm thinking about is uh, the husbands were cheaters. The husbands were cheaters. Now, because they serve a very big God, and they had some very faithful women in their lives that, uh, that, that stuck by their side, their marriages have been redeemed. Their story, is, their story is brand new, and as a couple, I can still look up to them and say, like, wow, like, that is an example of Christ in the church right there, because we serve a God of second chances. Another example, I had a, I had a friend who um, kind of had a, similar, a story kind of like mine. He was adopted at birth, but he was adopted into a Christian home. He was adopted into a family that um, had two Christian parents, they were very involved parents, and just a, a very safe family atmosphere. Now, when he got to college, his story went a little different, um, and he found his way to this nasty, nasty drug called heroin. Statistics say um, that a, a male, 18 to 24, who gets addicted to heroin and enters a rehab facility has a 5% chance of being rehabilitated. It has something to do with um, the age that we are uh, as men and how stubborn we are at this age. That, coupled with the nasty effects of the drug, it has this really big impact, has this really big impact on males our age. Now, my friend has some residual things that are left over, there are a lot of things he has to deal with because of what this drug did in his life, but he is not addicted to this drug anymore because we serve a God of second chances. Israel was a, Israel was a pretty undeserving nation, but, uh, but God had made them a promise. He said, I'll be their God and they will be my people. It's simply his character. When it, it, he is who he says he is, and as long as you still have breath in your lungs, you are still eligible for the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, and the sixth chance. That's grace. That's the God you serve, the God of second chances. Now, unlike the husband who cheats on his wife and he has to go back to her and he has to, um, he has to, he has to plead and he has to beg and he has to apologize and he has to work back for her trust and he has to, yeah, it's going to take a lot of time for healing, um, he doesn't exactly get to go back with confidence. But the thing about our relationship with God, the thing about grace, is it's this instantaneous experience. It's this experience that smacks you right in the face um, where God's like, I'm ready to restore you right now. Three weeks of straight Bible reading or a hundred straight days of prayer, whatever spiritual discipline you can make up in your head, it doesn't, it doesn't really work like that. Grace immediately changes things. And so we, get, we see the nation of Israel right now, they're kind of, uh, they're kind of approaching this kind of confidently, right? Um, in, in chapter... In chapter 3, it says, as soon as the priests head off, that's your sign to get ready to go. That's your sign to get ready and cross into the, uh, cross into the promised land. Um, so Joshua is getting these, people, getting these people ready to go. Now, if I got this room ready, I was like, okay, we're going to go cross the Rio Grande. Like, it's no big deal, right? Like, all of us, we're going to get up, we're going to hop in a couple trucks, we're going to drive down there, we're going to walk across the two feet of water that's left. That's not the case. Joshua, though... He has to get hundreds of thousands of people ready to cross a river that is bigger and badder than the Rio Grande has ever, has ever been, right? So that's confidence on Joshua's part to say, like, you know what? He said, tomorrow when the priests walk by, you get up, you follow them, we're going across, we're going across the river. Verse 7, uh, verse 7 of chapter 
3 says, Today um, I'll begin to exalt you in the sight of Israel, that they may know that as I was Moses, so I will be with you. Joshua has this confidence because God told him he was going to be with him. And if you remember from last week, one of the main promises that was made to Joshua was, um, I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. Joshua knew, you know, he's like, man, God's got my back. Not only are we going into the, con- into the promised land to conquer the people, to take down the fortified cities, to divide the land, but we're going to get there on a miracle. We're going to get there on a miracle crossing the Jordan. For those of you who are in small group this week, we, uh, we watched a video by a pastor named Judah Smith, and Judah was talking about some of the last words that Jesus ever spoke when he said, uh, he said behold, I am with you always to the end of the age, and that was just kind of this, um, the same idea that we're talking about tonight, this confidence that we should have as Christians, because like Jesus said he's with you, God says he's with you, God is with Joshua, Jesus is with us. Judah told this story about his son, and uh, his son was five years old, and he was driving him to school, and Judah had a lot to do that day, and he didn't really want to, uh, he didn't really have time to walk his son into school, but his son is five, and he says, Dad, like, please just, just walk me into school. Just walk me into school. He's like, you know, son, I don't really have time. He's like, Dad, just walk me. And so he can't say no to his five-year-old little son, so he tells this story about how him and his son are walking into the halls of school, and his son, he has his, his head held high and his chest out. And, uh, and he's kind of looking up at his dad, and he's, like, looking around like he's the man. He's like, you know, I'm with, I'm with pops. You know, I'm, I'm with dad. Like, nothing can get me right now. The confidence that we had, and as funny as that is, as de- endearing as it is, it's, it's kind of what we have with God. Joshua had this confidence. He didn't second-guess the crossing. Head up, chest out, let's do this. We're going to go cross this river. And the question is, is how, how would your life look different if you walked in the confidence of the Lord like this? What's, uh, what's the Jordan River in your life that needs crossing? Is it, is it graduation that's coming up or a new stage of life or um, a new job or, you know, just like a, a stage of maturation in your life? Whatever it is, metaphorically as Christians, we're to pick our heads up, puff our chest out, square our shoulders, and walk in confidence. He's not leaving you, and that's a promise. And, uh, and we should do good to remember these promises. Remember the things that he's done for us. Remember the things that he says he's going to do. After the Israelites, uh, after the Israelites cross the Jordan, God tells them to do something. He says, I need one, of, I need one man from every tribe um, to grab a stone, and we're going to make an altar. We're going to make an altar. Uh, I think the next slide has the verse I'm going to read in chapter 4. Joshua 4, verse 6 says this, When your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. God found it very, very important that they remember what God did that day when they crossed over on dry land. God finds it important, and um, some of the most epic movie scenes in Hollywood um, think that remembering is a good idea, too. So we have, a, we have a short clip. I need you to remember me, Kay. How I am right now. Remember this day, man. For it will be yours for all time. Sure. They remember forever. The night they played the Titans. What? Simba, you have forgotten me. No. How could I? You have forgotten who you are, and so forgotten me. Look inside yourself, Simba. You are more 
than what you have become. You must take your place in the circle of life. How can I go back? I'm not who I used to be. Whether it's, uh, whether it's King Leonidas or Mufasa or, or God, it's, it's good to remember the things that have been done in your life or the things that you are to do. Uh, have, you, have you ever heard the quote, um, remember the past lest we repeat it? Well, this is kind of an idea um, that I believe is coursed through Scripture and should be coursed through our lives as well. This is, uh, um, this is an idea um, for those of us in the room that have been saved. Um, if you believe in God and that God has called you to him, then you can surely remember where it was that you came from. Uh, sometimes I get so wrapped up in my day-to-day life now I get so wrapped up in the bills I have to pay, the, the work I have to do, uh, the, the people I have to keep happy, um, that I forget just exactly it was where it was that God called me from. I had a, I had a group of friends that, that weren't that loyal. They were fun on the weekends, but they weren't that loyal. I had, a, I had a relationship drama that consumed me. I had habits that consumed me. I had no purpose. I had doubts that rushed through my head on a nightly basis. I, I knew I was meant for more, but I didn't know what it was. And then God acted. And then God called me back to him. And he called me to this church and to AFC into a life full of purpose and passion. And, and so how can I forget that? And as a, believer, as a believer, what's your story? Some come from addiction. Some come from tragedy. Some come from broken homes. Um, now today, God doesn't ask us to build altars. Uh, it's just not something he asked us to do. But we're still to remember where we came from. We were dead in sin. Our past is nothing to brag about. We just use it to relate to people that we can, um, that we can reach now. But we have to remember that God was faithful to us when we didn't deserve it. And, let, and we should remember lest we fall back to the places that we were before him. Just to, just to kind of wrap up tonight as I as I kind of pointed to, when we read the Old Testament, there's some, um, some very important things that we have to do. First, we have to find the cross. Secondly, we have to find application. So the first application for tonight is that it's healthy as Christians to realize that you serve a God of second chances. Whether you've walked with him for 15 years or whether you're just coming to realize that you need him in your life, um, we serve a God that is ready to be there for us right now. There's no hoops to jump through. There's no timetable of being acceptable for a relationship with him. We serve a God of second chances, and he's ready. Secondly, we get to approach him, and we get to approach this life with confidence. If we really believe God is who he says he is, if we really believe his word for what it is, then there is no other way that we should live this life than boldly. And lastly, from this story, we, we can apply the idea that we're to remember where it was that God plucked us from. The Israelites would have done themselves a huge, huge favor to remember like, oh yeah, we were in captivity in Egypt and God got us out of that with all these plagues and miracles to get us out of there. Um, he made manna rain from heaven to feed us. Um, he delivered us from um, countless battles as a, as a group of people. They would have done themselves a miracle or they were done themselves a, uh, a favor to remember what it was, the miracles that God had done for them. So God says, build me an altar. 
You're going to remember this day, the day you walked across the Jordan on dry land. Similarly, I got to remember, I got to wake up and say, Matt, remember the day I plucked you from where you were. Also, when we, uh, when we read the Old Testament, we have to find the cross. We have to find Christ. Now, Joshua, the story of Joshua, is a Christ-type story. So what that means is we look at, um, we look at what Joshua did and how it's going to relate to what Jesus is going to do. So Joshua leads his people into this physical promised land. Jesus is going to lead us into an eternal promised land. If you're here tonight and you're not exactly sure about God and what God's doing in your life um, and all these stories that we talk about, um, come and talk to us in the back. One of our interns had a, had a coffee date this week and the, and the person he was with said, you know, like I've always had all these questions about God, but nobody's ever taken the time to, to let me ask them or to answer them. Uh, that's our job. So right now we're going to be in the back. If you're, uh, if you're a non-believer and you just have questions and you want to set up a coffee date or you want to talk tonight, uh, let's talk. And believe you're here for a reason. And if you're a Christ follower, and perhaps if you've been more of a wanderer as of late, um, come pray with myself or one of the interns in the back. Um, he is a God of second chances. We do get approached him boldly, and we get the awesome experience of remembering what he's done for us and what he's going to do in the future. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, the... Uh, the story of Joshua is a, is a powerful one. You did miracles, and you gave, um, you gave second chances when, um, when your people didn't deserve it. And tonight, I can stand here as a, as a servant, and I can tell you, like, I know I don't deserve what you've done for me. But I stand here, and, and I remember what you've plucked me from. And I know stories in this room of, um, of tragedy you've plucked people from, God, and we thank you for that. We pray that we, as we, uh, we go through the story of Joshua, as we go through um, the Old Testament, we see your son and the cross coursed through Scripture, God, and that we can remember that this whole story is about him and about his glory and about you and about your character. Lord, we thank you for this ministry. We thank you for um, the things that you're doing on that campus. I pray that you continue to soften the hearts of the students on that campus. God, and continue to use us as a vessel for your kingdom. In Jesus' most precious name I pray, amen.